Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast and episode number 10. I'm Damian Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a brand new digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. If you haven't seen the magazine, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab your free digital subscription. On this episode, I chat with Nathan and Kelsey, the duo behind Our Home on the Roam, that you might have seen actually in the boondocking section of issue number one of the Rootless Living magazine. They have been living on the road for just under a year, and while on the road, they switched from a Class C that they had completely renovated to a much smaller van, and they'll tell you exactly why they made this choice. Let's jump into the episode. All right, everyone, let's bring Kelsey and Nathan Kenny on the show. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, Damien, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, Little technical difficulties, but life is grand in the digital nomad space. So where are you guys currently located? Where, uh, where are you in the world right now? So we are in Kansas City right now. We actually just came home for the holidays. So we surprised our families um, and just drove about 10 hours from Austin, um, surprised them and celebrated the holidays with them. And then we're actually getting back out on the road in probably two days. And I think we're headed down to Arizona. Like they had no clue kind of surprise or? No, yeah, they had no idea. It was <laughs> totally awesome. Awesome. There was lots of tears and lots of happiness. So it was really, it was really cool. We're really glad we got to do it. That's really fun. I, I don't know if my family would, there would be tears, but I don't know if it would be for happiness if I surprised them. <laughs> <laughs> lots, lots of mace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Exactly. So what do you guys consider yourself? This is a question I like to start out because you can make assumptions about people, whether they're full-time or kind of part-time digital nomads and there is no wrong answer. But what do you guys consider yourself? I would say we're full-time travelers, maybe part-time digital nomads. <clears throat> we do work on the road, um, but when we kind of set out on our journey, we had built up a trip fund. We worked multiple jobs in the year or two leading up to it. And so when we first set out, we were just traveling. Um, we kind of had a, a cushion or a you know travel fund that we kind of lived off of. And then as time went on, we started working a little bit, and then we're just ramping it up gradually. Do you guys notice a difference between kind of working and traveling and just traveling for traveling? Is it, or is it basically the same for you guys? I think it's different because when we first started out, we weren't, we weren't concerned about finding work on the road, (laughs) obviously, because we were kind of just working off of that, off that trip fund. Um, And now when we have work to do, we have to, you know, stop at a coffee shop and uh, sit there for a while and have reliable internet. (laughs) And we uh, have to kind of plan out our trips a little bit more because we, since I'm a, um, I'm a photographer, so I have to come back home and do um, like engagement shoots or things like that because I still have a client base in Kansas City. So we have to kind of know when we're going to be back so that way we can kind of schedule all those shoots at the same time and then we can go back out if that makes sense. So Totally. And how are you guys traveling? What's your means of kind of moving around the country? So currently we travel in a, uh, a van, a Ford Transit van. Um, when we first started out, we were in a vintage class CRV. Um, and then a few months into travel, <clears throat> kind of we got the hang of it and figured out what our kind of goals were for the next few years. We came home and did a vehicle switch, new renovation, and then we've been in the uh, Ford Transit van for about five months, six months, think, yeah, something around six, there. Yeah. Time's kind of fluid, so. <laughs> no, for sure. That's kind of a good lead into when did like the digital nomad or traveling full time, when did that become part of your life? So we knew, we always knew after we got married that we wanted to take some sort of like big grand adventure before we started having kids and starting our own family kind of thing. 
Um, so for a long time, we actually thought we were going to go on a sailing trip because Nathan, before I met him, has always sailed. Um, and we had um, a sailboat at Lake Jacomo in Missouri when we were first dating and things like that. So that was kind of our, our big goal eventually. Or for, primarily, that was our first goal was to go sailing. Um, the cost of buying a new brand new sailboat is very expensive. <laughs> so that kind of started deterring us. Um, we had a friend that was selling this vintage class CRV and we were like, oh, we could fix this up and do this and take a road trip kind of thing. Um, so it kind of just fell into our lap. It kind of happened. We didn't really know much about living on the road or anything like that. So we just started renovating the RV and then dove into blogs and podcasts and YouTube videos to kind of learn all we could learn about living on the road. So um, I think that's why we switched after the RV to the van because we were in the RV and we're like, wow, this is very big. <laughs> this is a lot to travel in. And we didn't have like a tow car, so we couldn't really travel as quickly as we wanted to. So once we kind of changed our path, we realized that we really love traveling. We really love working on the road. So it was something we wanted to do longer term. So we kind of made that switch. So it was something we could do at, at a longer term for us. Gotcha. Now, how big was the, the vintage? It was. Uh, it was about 24 feet. Um, it was still built on a Ford E350, uh, like chassis and engine and stuff. Um, but it was, yeah, about 24 feet. And then we added a luggage rack on the back, so I extended it quite a bit. Uh, yeah, it was just very big, very bulky, and it would it was it was fine to travel in, but it just wasn't the type of travel we were wanting to do. Is what we figured out. Um, if we wanted to, kind of be it at like an RV park or a pretty chill spot for like two weeks at a time and then just move every two weeks. That would have been good. But we wanted to be like moving every like three to four days or something mm -hmm. and then checking out lots of stuff while we're at a spot for a couple of days. And that was tough in the RV. I mean, that's funny that 24 feet is big. <laughs> I'm, sitting yeah. here, <laughs> I'm sitting here at a 42 foot. Yes. And I, I do think it's it's big in the sense that uh, especially when I'm at campgrounds like state parks, I think like people look at you like, really, bro, that's what you need to go out for a week. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, I want a big sticker that says I'm living in this thing. I live in yeah. this full time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm running into that on the show where people start out with one and then they, they either switch it, they either go bigger or they go smaller or they, they figure out what they thought they needed when they started isn't really providing the best life they can. So it's interesting that you guys I don't want to say downgraded, but in size, you guys downgraded to make it a lot more mobile, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we definitely we definitely downsized. And I think I wish before we would have done the road trip, we would have like rented an RV or rented a, a van to kind of see what we would have, it would have been more practical, but it worked out this way. So <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I think that it's definitely changing. I think when I look back to even taking the kids like on an RV trip, which I never ended up doing, the only thing you could really rent were like class A's or class C's. Mm -hmm. So if you even thought about like a bumper pole or a fifth wheel, that wasn't an option. But now that, you know, obviously because of like Uber and Airbnb, there's so many of these that are in and around the RV industry where you mm -hmm. can rent a fifth wheel or a mm -hmm. travel trailer and really figure out what works for you. Yeah. From the idea of sailing to then hitting the road in regards to a, a van or a motorhome, what was the time frame from like, okay, let's do that to then actually hitting the road? How much time was there? Um, it's hard to say. So sailing is something that I've been into since I was like eight years old. Um, I got my first little boat when I was like 20, 21, and then got a slightly bigger one 
that had like an inside cabin and all that stuff uh, just a few months before Kelsey and I met. And so at that point, I was thinking about doing The Great Loop by myself, uh, which is just a, it's similar to <clears throat> kind of the RV crowd. It's a lot of retired people. It's a trip down the Mississippi River and then up the East Coast, which is kind of a fairly easy, like long-term cruising in the U.S. Gotcha. And we were looking at that. And then the idea just kind of morphed. Um, it was always something we talked about, but not something we were taking concrete steps towards just because it was so expensive and we had just finished up school and we were just trying to get settled, figure our lives out. Um, and then as we started actually like running numbers and thinking about a timeline of when we wanted to have kids, uh, the boat thing just wasn't working out just because the like month to month cost of van life and sailing can kind of be comparable, but the startup cost is vastly different. All right. So when we first got the vintage RV, um, it kind of fell into our laps, like Kelsey said, um, but we got it for 2,500 bucks. And so being able to get that, that was kind of the spark, which got us to start saving and then building up our trip fund. What did your life look like before you guys hit the road? What were you guys doing uh, for work and where were you guys living? Uh, we were living in, well, I guess when we first start, when well, so our first house was in downtown Kansas City. Yeah, but when we bought the RV, were we in the townhome or, um, or the duplex, I guess? No, we weren't at the duplex. We were at our, our last place. That's true. Okay, so when we, sorry, <laughs> trying to get timelines here. <laughs> when we bought the RV, we were actually living in my grandpa's basement. He was like, hey, you know, I... I have this whole basement space that I don't use. Would you guys want to kind of renovate it into a basement apartment? Um, and then you don't have to pay rent and you can guys kind of, you guys can save money because we had been talking about doing some sort of adventure thing kind of here and there. Um, so when we bought the RV, that was, I think that's what really, really helped us to be able to renovate it and save money um, to, to do that. That was kind of, we kind of lucked out there. I know not everyone can live rent free for, <laughs> for a year and a half. So we kind of lucked out that way, but we were both working multiple, multiple jobs as well. So there were weekends when weekends and weeks when we didn't even see each other because I was working as a service coordinator at a plumbing company. Um, and then I also own my own photography business. Um, I was also second shooting for other photographers. <laughs> and then I was also bartending at a volleyball club. Wow. Um, yeah, and then Nathan was working as a GIS analyst at a civil engineering firm in Kansas City. And then he was also doing videography, like wedding videography with me for, for some weddings as well. So when we worked weddings together, we saw each other, but <laughs> sometimes we just didn't see each other. But I mean, it was worth it because that's what kind of, that's why we hustled so hard to be able to, to make it happen when we first took off. So from the time we, we bought the RV to the time we left, it was about, I think about a year between us renovating it and saving money, so. That's really cool. I think I've noticed something here. So what I kind of heard was we had a house, we had a townhome, we had a basement, we have a class yeah. A, we have a van. <laughs> yep. Next is a bike. You guys you yeah. guys keep going down in space. You're like pretty soon you're gonna run out of small spaces. Mm -hmm. I know. Well, that's what's always funny is people always ask us like how hard it was to downsize. And we're like, well, we slowly just did it across time. So it just works naturally, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's actually one of the lifestyle points that I think, I mean, at least for me, that I, I just wanted things that I just don't want anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just all these things that I thought were important, and they're just not. 
Mm. Like it's, it's not at all. Like to have that little thing that someone comes in the house and says, Ooh, that's cool that you have one of those. Like, that's it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You just learn <laughs> exactly. that if it weighs too, especially if it weighs too much, you really start thinking about, okay, I yeah. need to get rid of this because it weighs too much. Yes. Now, how are you guys currently? So it sounds like the, you guys spent some time where you were using savings to be able to travel. And now it sounds like you're, there's probably still, I don't want to get deep into your financials, but I, I think there's probably still savings. And then obviously you guys are making money on the road. What is uh, the money on the road, the, the kind of the making of the money? What does that look like? What are you guys doing? Um, so I'm, like I mentioned, I'm a photographer. So I have a solid client base in Kansas City. So we come back to Kansas City for about a week every three months or so um, to shoot weddings or shoot families or we did this last time we were here we shot some newborn sessions so um that i have that and then i also will just kind of post things on my instagram or my facebook and say hey you know i'm in this state for you know the next couple weeks if you want a session let me know so gotten a few sessions that way and then nathan uh does videography work on the road still so um he'll also shoot weddings with me um, when I can get him to come out of retirement, he doesn't like shooting weddings. I his favorite thing, but <laughs> he will do it <laughs> if I convince him. Um, and then he also, uh, works for, there's that YouTube channel called tiny home, home tours. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it and he does, uh, he films tour videos for them. So he does that as well. And then he also sells stock video clips online. And so we do kind of a little bit, a little bit of everything. <laughs> No, that's smart. I mean, I've, I've actually ran into that a couple of times now where people, I feel like their income is very diversified, which is mm -hmm. really great in the sense that if you lose one for some reason, or, you know, in Nathan's case, you're like, I don't want to film weddings anymore. You're yes. not, you don't have to do things you don't want to do as much, which is really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and he really likes, he really likes doing the tour videos too. Cause that's really cool because he gets to, I mean, we get to meet people that are doing what we're doing. And so it's just, you have a lot of like mutual interest with those people and kind of bond with them really quickly. <laughs> I, and for me, the state thing is interesting that when you're like, I'm in this state now for me, currently in Texas, you know, I have people like, Oh, you're in Texas, Damien, let's hang out. Oh, that's cool. You're eight hours away. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone for some reason thinks it's Rhode Island all of a sudden, you know, wherever <laughs> you are. So how does that work? Cause even, you know, besides new England states, they're pretty big. And for you to say, even like, I'm going to be in Arizona, the difference between Flagstaff and, you know, page is a big distance. Are you guys doing those kind of distances for clients? Uh, we are. Yeah, we don't, maybe not Texas because Texas is really big as we have discovered because we've gotten stuck in Texas so many times, just like going back and forth in Texas, but a lot of the other States, they're not, not as bad. And if we, if I have a, you know, a client that wants to do it, usually, you know, they're kind of flexible with dates and they don't want me, you know, the next day and they'll, you know, they'll be okay if we get there like in a week or two weeks. And so we can kind of take our time getting there and stop along the way. So how far out are bookings currently? Like what's your, your furthest one out that you currently have? Do you think? Um, so right now, I guess it kind of depends. It's kind of weird because with weddings, you know, obviously they book out farther. So we have a wedding in uh, Tennessee in May, and then we have one in Kansas city in October. So I guess that's technically our farthest gotcha. out um would be october because we know we need to come back for that i think that's where i think that's it right now we haven't really announced that we're going to 
Arizona yet, so I haven't tried to start looking for anything there just yet. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't even know. I was just, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's funny that I picked this state. Have you guys been, like, well, let's talk about that really quick. On this journey, um, what, what was your launch date? I'm sorry if I missed that. What day did you guys load into the, the vintage and take off? Uh, it was early April. Um, I can't remember the exact day. Yeah, I don't remember the exact day, but when we, so when we bought the RV, we just threw a date on the calendar for a year ahead, and that was like March something. I think it was March 1st. Yeah, and I think we only missed it by a couple weeks. I ended up working like two weeks past that, and then we left shortly after that. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was like, well, we'll just say April 1st, just yeah. to keep things simple. Yeah. And then when did you guys switch into the van? Uh, that would July, probably July. late July. Okay, yeah. so rather quick. And then how many states have you guys done since, you know, your guys are coming up on your year? How many have you done so far? Um, I don't know the exact number. We've got a map on the van that we add a sticker every time we do a state. Um, right, right. But if you can visualize the country, we've done pretty much the center <laughs> third. Um, okay. So we left from Kansas uh, and we've done Oklahoma, Colorado, New Mexico, Texas. We spent this year, we've probably spent over two months in Texas. Um, you, as you mentioned, it is a huge so state. Big. It is, it's too damn big. Uh, <laughs> Just don't say that when you're in Texas. You cool can say it where you are now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were in Texas for a while, like we did Big Bend. Um, and we were also, um, towards the end of summer, like right before fall, we were up north uh, in Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, we went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which is amazing if you've never made it up there i highly recommend it iowa yeah Iowa was surprisingly cool um louisiana we went to a van life gathering outside new orleans we passed through mississippi we didn't spend much time there so we don't really count that one well let's talk about that because i have I, I haven't actually asked this question of anybody what what makes you put a sticker on the state on your map what makes it qualify to be considered a state we have to stay there at least um two nights so Illinois and Mississippi, we both stayed overnight there, but we were, it was just breaking up a longer trip. So two nights is our kind of minimum and we have to do something interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just funny. One of those conversations that I've asked, not on the podcast, but I've asked people when I meet them, mm -hmm. but there is a funny moment that you guys reminded me about. I saw someone once post that they were just launching their nomad life and the only sticker they had was Texas. And I was like, oh, you've probably been doing it about five years now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> And like everyone chimed in like that's so it's funny that we all have these same understandings of texas that even yes. when you said two months i was like oh that's cool you drove through yeah <laughs> that's literally what i see now it sounds like you guys documented the restoration of the rv am i correct in that yep yes yeah and so when that's did you guys start instagram yeah when did you guys start doing that so about a year before you guys left so for the last two and a half years or yeah about you guys have been talking about this road trip building up kind of uh, kind of this Instagram following. Let's talk about that community a little. Yeah, so we we really like the community we've created on Instagram because it's we have a lot of people that are I think are there because we are we're honest and we're very positive as well. I think so. We you know if we have a bad day, we we will tell you that we're you know we had a bad day, or if we have a breakdown, we'll tell you that you know we had a breakdown. And so we don't. I don't think it should be, there's too many Instagrams that it's all just, you know, pretty pictures of mountains and you're frolicking through a field and things like that. And that's great. And I think it's beautiful, but that's not what we're striving to do. We're striving to show people that this is a lifestyle that one is attainable and two is realistic. I mean, it's just like life in a stationary house. You're going to have, you know, a water heater break, or you're going to have a, a toilet get clogged, you know, things like that. That's, we just want people to know that 
we also have issues and it's not all rainbows and sunshine. So um, I think we've really gotten people that are there because, because we are that way. And then we also, um, you know, we don't, we're not big complainers. So, you know, if we do have issue, we're saying, Hey, this is our issue, but it's going to be okay. Um, and we really believe that, you know, as long as you're, you know, you're kind of positive and you can kind of get out of that, then it's going to be okay. And it's not the end of the world. And, you know, in the next couple of days, we will be somewhere that is cool and will remind us why we're doing this kind of thing. <laughs> I also feel like our life has, you know, there's that joke about first world problems. I feel like our life is a little bit above that. Like some of the yeah. times of the things that we're complaining about, like, oh, the internet sucks here by the lake. You know, yes. it's like, really? <laughs> That's your issue? That's your problem right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you do bring up kind of a point that, I mean, I appreciate that you guys share when things are kind of, let's say, going wrong. But I feel like I'm noticing, especially people that are creating content for like YouTube, that I almost feel like some of the things going wrong, I'm starting to notice a trend that it's almost fake mm -hmm. or it's really over-exaggerated. You know, like yes. that somehow is bringing, you know, if it bleeds, it leads kind of a mentality that I see mm -hmm. seeking, seeping into this lifestyle. And that's starting to drive me crazy where we get flat tires, but it doesn't need to be this, you know, like law and order episode about the, <laughs> the flat tire, which is kind of funny. So, but I do appreciate the transparency because there has been enough where it, it's, it's just always, like you said, you know, rainbows and unicorns, and that's <laughs> not possible in any life. And, and I will say that when I bought the, the trailer I bought, I went into the group and that's all they talk about is, all the things that are going wrong. Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about the good for some reason. It's just where they go to vent. Mm -hmm. And I got really scared where I was like, what did I, <laughs> what did I buy? You know, yeah. I haven't even left yet. I've owned it. It's in storage. And did I make a huge mistake? So I, you need that balance of, otherwise you just, you, if all you see is positive too, and your life is having all these problems, you're like, is this just me? Am I, do I suck <laughs> yeah. at this? Like everyone else is able to make it. I don't have an issue. Well, and that's what's funny too, is I think our, our YouTube is not as that way because we don't like the people that, you know, when something happens and they're crying and they whip out their camera, like that's never been us. <laughs> like we always, we're not like one to kind of make videos off of our sadness. So all of our YouTube videos actually are pretty like, this is where we went and this is what we did. And here's us hiking. So, so there's, it looks pretty, it looks pretty positive over there, I guess, but that's just cause I don't really want to cry on camera. So I guess that's, <laughs> we won't get, won't get views there, I guess. <laughs> But I think you guys, you know, just in the, right before we hit record, you guys said something that it's really just more of, you know, like a fun project for you. I, yeah. I feel like more, and again, I don't want to get negative, but I feel like more people are buying some sort of recreational vehicle, van, RV, whatever, and they're buying a camera and they just start and go with the idea of growing like this huge YouTube channel. And I feel like to me, just being in the content space for a long time, that's really the wrong way to do it. Just go into it where you're documenting this, or at some point, maybe your grandkids mm -hmm. yep. can watch what grandma and grandpa did for a while. I know that's insane. You don't even have kids because I, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I have four kids and I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, I wish I could watch my grandparents' yep. videos and yeah. what they did. So to go into it with the space that, you know, that you guys kind of said to me, where it's just more fun and it's just about us documenting, especially I mean, I, I mean, Nathan, maybe you can talk about this. When you do it for a living, it's sometimes hard to have that as your hobby too for some people, you know, because it just gets, so it sounds like for you though, it is kind of a fun expression when you're doing the things that you enjoy, like doing the small tiny home tours or mm -hmm. even creating your own YouTube videos. It, it gives you a little bit more of a freedom mm -hmm. than 
I, I would assume kind of weddings are pretty like, okay, we got to make sure we get this shot, this shot, this shot. It becomes kind of repetitive in a way too. Yeah. And it's a nice balance. Um, the YouTube videos are fun and you know, we don't worry about posting once a week and we don't interact with our, we don't have very many subscribers, first of all, but we don't <laughs> interact with them much. Um, all of that is all through Instagram. We just focus on that. Uh, Cause if we tried to, if you try to do YouTube, Instagram, like all the social medias, it just takes a lot of time and you're just sitting at a computer for a lot of the time. And so when we do a video every two or three weeks, like it's just a little, it's more of like a slideshow rather than a, a full on video. And so I don't have a camera in my hand, like vlogging a lot um, just cause it's a lot of time. But if we go to a cool spot, I'll take like maybe three or four, three second clips and then that's it. Let's talk about your the the hustle where you're actually creating these clips and selling them. I'm, I'm I kind of heard that being mentioned, and I feel like I've I've heard someone else talk about that too. And that's interesting. How do you go about doing that? So I use a service called Blackbox, and they're just a curator. <clears throat> so I submit clips to them, and I just do it as we go, um, and then they just live there forever, so they can sit there and I record in 4K, so they're future proof you know, to a certain extent. And I try to just do like three or four at a time and I don't make a whole day out of it. And then they just sit there and then a lot of them don't do anything. It's kind of a numbers game. They say you got to get hundreds of clips up there before you start to see sales. Um, I saw my first sale just before I hit a hundred clips. Um, that was about a month ago. I got my first sale and that was really exciting. And uh, I bet. it's just another, another hustle. Um, it's not something I can make a full-time living at um, unless I was using like an RE or an Alexa camera or something like that. But I've sold clips from my phone and they just get picked up for internet stuff or whatever else people use stock footage for. It sounds like it's completely passive because it doesn't sound like you're doing anything to drive traffic to those videos. You're just basically shooting and uploading. And if they get sold, they get sold. And if they don't, they don't. Yep, that's exactly correct. Now, even though this venture has been kind of short in the sense that you just started out you know 10 months ago mm -hmm. is there anything that you guys would do differently besides obviously maybe just start with the van I, and maybe i shouldn't even assume that you would do that differently maybe that was you know a really great process in it too but is there anything you guys would do different for the newbies that are thinking about this lifestyle yeah i think we would start with the van that's probably our number one because we really we love our van it's amazing and we like can't talk highly enough about how much we love our van um but I think other than that, I think we would have, I don't know. I think we kind of just, we under, I don't know. We underestimated ourselves kind of, I think. Um, when we started out, we thought we were only going to do it for a year. And then we realized how much we loved it. And now we're doing it for the next two, maybe three years. We don't really know yet. <laughs> There's no set plan or date. But I think it would have just been, I don't know. I guess I just would have under underestimated myself less, but I don't really know what we would have done differently in the beginning. Do you know Nathan? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't think we would have ever just bought the van without going through what we went through in yeah, the RV. It's true. Because um, we bought a fairly new van when we made the switch because we knew we wanted to get several years out of it. And that was just expensive up front. I don't think we would have ever just bought a brand new van on a whim. It's too bad that we had to have that big vehicle change, but that was, we needed that experience to learn how we wanted to travel and how we didn't want to travel. Yeah, I think too, I to think. 
yeah just hearing your guys' story it's like it it's funny that you kind of left it open-ended in a sense that and we'll give it a year which i think is a smart marker to be honest with you with most mm -hmm. people to yeah. anything you're doing you should give it a year i mean except for parenting i think you should go the full 18 years <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then i was like, like that's really cool that you figured out pretty quickly that it just was too big and we wanted a different kind of more fluid lifestyle which is really great and to be honest vans and even the 24 foot class c i feel like lead into later on if you found a place that you wanted to have as a home base it allows for you to still continue and keep that rv and mm -hmm. go it makes sense because you know you can do really quick trips or especially in and around your gigs even if you ended up with a home base at some point mm -hmm. you can always just load up the van and go yep yep we've, that we've talked about that too because we I mean, we have a we have a car payment on the van now, which is not super fun. But when we bought it, we were like, oh, well, when we, you know, we have kids, we can take out, you know, the countertop and put a seat in there and a, and a baby seat and then <laughs> still have everything else in it. <laughs> we talked about that, how we can kind of adapt it to, to once we change later on down the road, too. And I think it'll be a good experience for others because I feel like uh, I look back in my own life said so there's no way I would have done this with newborns there's no way I would have done this with toddlers but now that I've gotten to know people you know that I see them starting out I'm like oh it is really manageable and doable and it's actually a really cool life for the kids too mm -hmm. in those early years as opposed to just you know living in a bricks and sticks so it's fun I mean I'm glad you guys were are documenting where you're at now and then who knows what will happen in the years to come which is really cool yeah so let's get into the like specifics this is something i like to do in the episode is talk about something that was the worst thing that's happened and then maybe just a really kind of the, the best highlight thing so um what's the worst thing that has happened on the road trip we had a uh breakdown experience with the rv um before we set on the road we put a bunch of work into it got the engine all uh in good shape and it was running pretty well but then the carburetor started to slowly give us problems it was a 77 so it was just old so even a tip-top shape 77 vehicle is still a 77 vehicle and has 77 technology so we broke down in Colorado Springs which happens we had roadside assistance but then it was near a holiday and so roadside assistance couldn't really do much for us because all the shops were closed and we didn't know what shop to take it to because you need a shop that can take a vehicle that big and that has staff that can work on a carburetor which is few and far between nowadays <laughs> yeah and then so we had trouble finding somewhere to take it so we hired like a mobile mechanic which we knew was a roll of the dice but it was our only option like shops were closed and then we wanted to try and get back on the road so he kind of got it fixed but then ended up not being totally fixed and then he stopped responding to calls and he kind of just ghosted us screwed us over a little bit got bunch of our money and kind of one of those deals and then we eventually found a shop that would fix it and it was just kind of a perfect storm like we, it was late may we got hit by a blizzard like over a foot of snow while we were sitting there trying to get toes worked out and then we were trying to figure out how to get to a hotel um but then there was no ubers or lifts running or any cab services because of the storm and then so i ended up uh i have an aunt and uncle in denver they ended up coming down and just helping us physically get to the hotel so that we could finally get the RV towed to a shop. Yeah, so that was just a week of staying in a hotel. And we have a cat and a dog, so getting a hotel is, isn't as easy as it is for some people. I mean, it's possible, but, and then, yeah, that was just a pretty terrible, pretty terrible experience. And we made it home after that. We limped back home from Colorado through Nebraska, saw some family, and then 
made it back to Kansas City. And then that's, we had some, we were back for some work, some photography work. And that was when we kind of started reevaluating our vehicle choice. You know, it's interesting too, because a little side note, I noticed that there's this 10 year kind of rule within campgrounds sometimes that they'll use if your camper's over 10 years old. Did you guys run into that at all with a 77 or because of the renovation, it wasn't really an issue? We didn't, we never had that issue. We have heard about that, but I think we... One, we nip, we rarely went to RV parks. We did a lot of boondocking. We were pretty much set for off-grid. Um, so I think we kind of just lucked out and the few RV parks we did go to didn't have an issue with it. So Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we hear it and I've been at RV parks where I'm like, clearly don't they don't have this rule or, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I know the blue tarp is not a new roof function. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'm always... I've been in RV parks where I see these classic, classic like Airstreams and, Mm -hmm. you know, vintage Winnebago's. And I'm thinking that, you know, who would ever tell them they can't be here? They're so well kept. Like, what is it? I almost want to, mine's a 2017. I want to start telling people it's a 1997. I'm like, you can come out and look at it if you want to. (laughs) Not going to ask for paperwork, but it's 20 years old. And they'll come out like, what? And maybe it'll help change some of the stigma. Yeah, there Mm -hmm. you go. (laughs) Yeah, I I do think that. I think it's a stigma. Yeah. Because some they, some parks they don't have that ten year rule, but they have a rule about um, like no repairs or vehicle work, like can't do any maintenance. Right. And so I think that's kind of a, a different version of that same kind of rule. But you also do bring up a good point in the conversations where people are having: should I get a motorhome or should I get a trailer? It's just a good life lesson that when you do have a motorhome, whether Class C, Class A, and an engine has an issue, you are without your home while it's getting repaired. I mean, same for you guys in the van. If the van has to, you know, go in the shop for a couple of days, then you are kind of bound to a motel and hotel. So it's important to yeah. kind of have that budget. You know, we got a leaf spring broke in Sandusky and, you know, it was like $500 to stay at a KOA mm-hmm. for like a week. And that's just something we didn't have in the budget. You know what I mean? Like that could happen, but it was, wasn't a hotel but it wasn't something we had reservations for and we were there at the worst time of the year where it's their highest rates kind of a thing. So, but it is one of those things. There's always, you know, gives and takes with each, you know, with my rig, I can't go into like Chicago, (laughs) like, you know, adventure in the city. It's impossible. I got to be like an hour outside of Chicago. So it's one of those things you have to give and takes. What's the, what's maybe one of the the best experiences since being on the road? I feel like that's hard because we've had so many. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was, I mean, I think, Buying the van was uh, was definitely a high for us because we were just so we were so stoked to have have a, like a new start and to kind of do to, to kind of travel again how we wanted to. But I mean, I think most recently we stayed on the beach, like on the Gulf Shore of Texas or whatever, um, and that was just so cool. That was like something we never imagined that we would be living on the beach, going to sleep with the with the waves crashing and getting to go out and Nathan surfed on the paddleboard and just like things like that that we just never we never even imagined we would ever do in our life so I think that was a, a really a really high high for us because we were just so stoked on life while we were there <laughs> and where you guys were staying it was technically free to park on the beach too correct mm-hmm. yep. yep yeah we so, were in Surfside Beach Texas and yeah, yeah so technically just outside city limits so there's a stretch of beach in Surfside Beach Texas uh, where you have to get like a seasonal permit. It's like 10 bucks. It's not that bad. Um, but then there's right next to it um, is a stretch of beach, which looks the exact same, uh, which is free. Yep. 
I've been there and and love it. And uh, being from Southern California, you know, having a vehicle on the beach at first is insane. Like they just, just, I I think Pismo is really the only one that allows it still. And then two, it being free is just mind blowing where I'm like, this is, would cost us a hundred dollars a night in Southern California to be it. So I totally agree that it's a different experience. Now you guys really fall into this stigma that was such an SNL character of Matt Foley saying you're going to live in a van down by the river. <laughs> yep. And it's funny that, that that's like literally life goals now for people. Yes. What, yeah. what a show used to make fun of you and make it sound like you are a loser <laughs> is now I feel like when I'm talking to people, that's really a win in life, you know, that they've been able to downsize everything at least down into something as small as a van and live very comfortably and see the world. So I think your best is one of those where I think people will understand. And, and that's what's great about Surfside. You can be in a 42 foot fifth wheel or you can be in a van and the experience is phenomenal. Yes. You know, yeah. Except for me, there was a lot of people that asked me if they could use my bathroom. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Oh, it's, yeah, it's not a restroom. There's a porta potty, just a you know, hundred yards. Or there's an ocean right there. Knock yourself out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So where can uh, people find you? I know we talked a little bit about your Instagram, but I want to make sure they know exactly where to go and then even to see your YouTube videos. And then obviously, if they're interested in booking you guys to either shoot or video their weddings or photos like I want to make sure that people know how to get a hold of you guys and obviously everything you say right now I'm going to link down below in both the podcast so you'll be able to see that as well too if you need to but Mm -hmm. let them know where they can find you yeah we are so our name on everything is our home on the Rome Um, it's a play on words because we're from Kansas so our state song is our home on the range (laughs) so we're our home on the Rome Um, and that's for Instagram YouTube Um, what am I missing Facebook, but that's just kind We're of on Facebook, but that's Instagram and YouTube. Yeah, that's just for my grandpa because he doesn't know how to work <laughs> Instagram. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's where you can find pretty much everything. And then we have people that contact us through there for photo and video work. We have our separate, he's technically Nathaniel Lawrence Media for his video stuff. And my photography work is Kelsey Admire Photography. So that's technically our separate ones. And then our joint ones kind of our home on the Rome. So, yeah. And then Tiny Home Tour is a channel that I work for. Um, a lot of people probably heard that it's a pretty big one, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's really cool. It's a great resource for people interested in this lifestyle too. They, yeah. There's all kinds of vehicles or houses on there, tree houses, ambulances, school buses, you name it. They can be a tiny home. People have done it. <laughs> yeah, and I actually really enjoy that channel. I I like that they haven't pigeonholed themselves, even though the it sounds like they have, because I think when people think tiny homes, they think either ones with wheels or ones that have been stationary but very small. And it's neat to see all the differences that they bring onto that show. And it's cool to know that Nathan, that you're shooting some of that. The one thing I would want to point out too, just from a a social media stance, it's really great that you guys didn't build your brand around your vehicle. I have noticed people doing that. And if it was like the, the vintage class C, you know, and then you get rid of it, you're like, Oh, now what's our identity now? (laughs) So I think it's really smart to make it more, you know, something that's about the lifestyle and then it has a cool play on where you guys are from. So Mm -hmm. it was good to, to learn that. Well, I just want to thank you both for being on the show and hanging out with me today and telling me your story. I'm, I think you're probably the first that's under a year and uh, oh, nice. on the road. So it's really good. I, I mean, I don't want it to be where everyone has to be seasonal and five, yeah. 10 years plus. I like mm-hmm. hearing kind of the, the early stages of it. And um, hopefully I will see you guys on the road at some point, but I really appreciate you making the time to come and hang out with us. Yeah, yes, thank you so thank much. You so much. Yeah, we're happy to give a little bit different perspective. We're kind of right between the, the newbies and the 
seasoned vets. So <laughs> glad we could, yeah, share our story a little bit. That's awesome. Thanks again. Mm-hmm. See you guys on the, the interwebs and maybe I'll see a uh, grandpa on Facebook. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll see you out there. <laughs> All right, take care. Bye. Bye. All right, another great podcast in the books. Please take a second and give this episode a review as that is a huge help for me to be able to get the word out about it. And if you happen to know anyone that is either an inspiring digital nomad or is a digital nomad, please share it with them. Now, don't forget to head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital copy of your Rootless Living magazine. And you know what? If you think you would make a good guest for this podcast or you know someone that would make a good guest for this podcast, have them reach out to us at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. Until next week, stay rootless.